0: So today we're in letter number 30, and in this letter, it's really a collection of Seneca's thoughts on these discussions that he's having with one of his friends who is on the edge of death or on the verge of death, right? So his body is falling apart, and uh, and he's having these philosophical discussions about whether it's something really to be feared, this thing called death, this event in our lives, and, uh, and so, really, this is—it's uh, a beautiful collection of writings that Seneca has in this in this letter because uh, you get a sense of the humanity of these two people coming together and discussing together. Uh, their mortality, their shared mortality. And so the verses that we're reading today uh, will be verse four through to about eight. Um, and in these verses, Seneca is continuing his discussion and sharing a few thoughts that his friend has given him about the fact of his death. And so I'll read these few verses and see what we can take away from it. So Seneca says, quote, This is a great accomplishment, Lucilius, and one which needs long practice to learn. To depart calmly when the inevitable hour arrives. Other kinds of death contain an ingredient of hope. A disease comes to an end. A fire is quenched. Falling houses have set down in safety those whom they seemed certain to crush. The sea has cast ashore, unharmed, those whom it had engulfed by the same force through which it drew them down. The soldier has drawn back his sword from the very neck of his doomed foe. But those whom old age is leading away to death have nothing to hope for. Old age alone grants no reprieve. No ending to be sure is more painless, but there is none more lingering. Our friend Bassus seemed to me to be attending his own funeral and laying out his own body for burial and living almost as if he had survived his own death and bearing with wise resignation his grief at his own departure. For he talks freely about death, trying hard to persuade us that if this process contains any element of discomfort or of fear, It is the fault of the dying person, and not of death itself. Also, that there is no more inconvenience at the actual moment than there is after it is over. And it is just as insane, he adds, for a man to fear what will not happen to him, as to fear what he will not feel if it does happen. Or does anyone imagine it to be possible that the agency by which feeling is removed can be itself felt? Therefore, says Bassus, death stands so far beyond all evil that it is beyond all fear of evils. I know that all this has often been said and should be often repeated, But neither when I read them were such precepts so effective with me, nor when I heard them from the lips of those who were at a safe distance from their fear of things which they declared were not to be feared. But this old man had the greatest weight with me, when he discussed death and death was near. For I must tell you what I myself think. I hold that one is braver at the very moment of death than when one is approaching death. For death, when it stands near us, gives even to inexperienced men the courage not to seek to avoid the inevitable. So the gladiator, who throughout the fight has been no matter how faint-hearted, offers his throat to his opponent and directs the wavering blade to the vital spot. But an end that is near at hand, and is bound to come, calls for tenacious courage of soul. This is a rarer thing, and none but the wise man can manifest it. Accordingly, I listened to Bassus with the deepest pleasure. He was casting his vote concerning death, and pointing out what sort of a thing it is when it is observed, so to speak, nearer at hand. I suppose that a man would have your confidence in a larger degree, and would have more weight with you, if he had come back to life, and should declare from experience that there is no evil in death. And so, regarding the approach of death, those will tell you best what disquiet it brings who have stood in its path, who have seen it coming and have welcomed it. Bassus may be likened among these men, and he had no wish to deceive us. He says that it is as foolish to fear death as to fear old age, for death follows old age precisely as old age follows youth. He who does not wish to die cannot have wished to live, for life is granted to us with the reservation that we shall die. To this end our path leads. Therefore, how foolish is it to fear it, since men simply await that which is sure but fear only that which is uncertain. Death has its fixed rule, equitable and unavoidable. Who can complain when he is governed by terms which include everyone? The chief part of equity, however, is equality. End quote. Okay, so I know that there was a lot there, and I did actually end up reading till about halfway through verse 11, so I added a little bit because I thought it was necessary, but there is so much, uh, there's so much interesting dialogue in here, and you can really get the sense from these passages that, uh, of course, there's this running theme in all of Seneca's writings that that is this question of how do we come to terms with our mortality, right? So Seneca is really obsessive about this question of, you know, how, how can I face death honorably? And so this is why he calls upon people like uh, Socrates in past letters and says that what Socrates taught us was that death was not to be feared, but that it can be overcome, right? Our fear of death can be overcome. And now he's talking about an actual person in his life who he's sitting down with and having these conversations about death, somebody on death's doorstep. And Seneca, you know, to, to, to Seneca, this is a person who is honorable, somebody who is worth spending some time with, somebody who is worth... Listening to and learning from, right? And so Seneca is really obsessed with this question of how do we face death, and uh, and it starts out with you know this passage that I read. It's the very first line. He says, "This is a great accomplishment, Lucilius, and one which needs long practice to learn." To depart calmly when the inevitable hour arrives. So to Seneca, it's almost like one of the highest goals of life is to, you know, become so philosophically sound, to become uh, so uh, so wise and so calm in your approach to life that when death does approach you and you're on death's doorstep, you can leave calmly and wisely and honourably and virtuously. You know, not kicking and screaming like a coward, but facing this most inevitable trial of our life with honor. And one of the reasons why Seneca really admires this friend of his, Bassus, is because he can see that his friend is really wrestling with death, you know, wrestling with these questions about, well, is there really anything to be, uh, you know, afraid of here? And he's debating with these people who are around him, trying his best to convince them that uh, ultimately, if you're on death's doorstep and you're afraid or you're, you know, you're worried about what's going to happen, that's your fault, not death's fault, right? There's nothing necessarily to fear about death. And and so this is why Seneca really admires it that well he says it here he says our friend Bassus seemed to me to be attending to his own funeral and laying out his own body for burial and living almost as if he had survived his own death and bearing with wise resignation his grief at his own departure for he talks freely about death trying hard to persuade us that if This process contains anything, sorry, any element of discomfort or of fear. It is the fault of the dying person and not of the death itself." Also, there is more inconvenience at the actual moment than there is after it is over. So Seneca is sitting here watching this guy who is really grappling with his own mortality and actually finding some philosophical answers that are helping him at that very moment in his life. Uh, Two, as Seneca has said, almost it's almost as if he's come back to life, right? And he uses that kind of metaphor later on in this letter as well. He says, I suppose that a man would have your confidence in a large degree uh, and would have more weight with you if he had come back to life and should declare from experience that there is no evil in death. So it seems like he's talking about these people who are right on death's doorstep. They're right there facing death face to face, you know, and they're up against it and they essentially have a rebirth of the soul where they realize uh, that there is nothing to be afraid of here. And you know, all of these words that I'm speaking now, you know, I'm actually really glad that Seneca kind of calls me out here and he points out this very important point that Talking about death, it's going to have more weight behind it when it's coming from somebody who's actually been there. You know, I've spoken to a few people who have gone through cancer in their life and have actually survived. But that's that's certainly akin to this facing of death. You know, they're right up against it. They really don't know if they're going to survive. And so they have to come to terms with with the, the, the experience that they're having and that closeness to death. And when I've spoken to these people, it certainly bears more weight with me than anybody else I've heard talk about this, including myself. You know, I read these words and I talk about death, but nonetheless... I can't really prove anything to you until I have reached that point, and Seneca points that out in here, and I think that that's very fair, but I will say that those people who I've talked to who have survived cancer or who've come very close to death, they have a different perspective on life, you know, and their their, their opinions about what life means and what it means to truly live life, you know, they do bear more weight with me because I know where they've been. And so, I just want to finally focus on a few little lines at the end of that reading uh, where Seneca is kind of of listing off a few of the arguments that uh, him and Basos are making against this fear of death, and then we can get a real sense for the kind of the way that they're approaching this question. Okay, so he says, he says that it is as foolish to fear death as to fear old age, for death follows old age precisely as old age follows youth. Okay, so there we see that they're starting to see that life is, you know, that their argument is almost that life is a continuum, you know, from our birth until our death, that is simply a point along this progression, right? And so just as death follows old age, so old age follows youth, so youth follows being born, you know, they can see life in this kind of cyclical nature. There's a cycle, there's a time and a place for everything Death is simply that time and that place which follows naturally after old age, sometimes sooner. They also say, he who does not wish to die cannot have wished to live. For it is granted to us with the, sorry, for life is granted to us with the reservation that we shall die. To this end, our path leads. So again, coming back to this more naturalistic approach of saying, listen, we're a part of this grand sequence of nature here, right? And we get to live, right? That's it. But there's, there's basically one condition, which is that we have to die, right? It's built into the system. It's built into nature. And so to fear something like this, right, is to, to really go against nature. It's going against the very structure of being, Right, and please take all of this with the same grain of salt that Seneca gave us, which is to say uh, that it's 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 going to bear more weight when you hear this from somebody who is actually face deaf. And I I often think, when I'm you know reading these words and when I'm discussing them, one of the things that often comes to my mind is how would I actually face this if it was you know right in front of me? And the answer is probably uh, nothing like the words that I'm speaking, right? And so it's 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 something that we wrestle with, Seneca. Says at the start of this line that of this this passage that I've read today that this is something that takes a whole lifetime to learn. You know, we're always wrestling with this. But what I'm doing here is I'm trying to grapple with these questions while I am younger, right? Uh, firstly, because you never know when you're going to come face-to-face with with death, right? And secondly, because it's never too soon to gain a little bit of extra wisdom around these very uh, important topics in life, right? And so I'm trying to start young, uh, so hopefully you can take all this with a grain of salt um, and I'd encourage you to do so. Anyway, he goes on to say, death has its fixed rule, equitable and unavoidable. Who can complain when he is governed by terms which include everyone? The chief part of equity, however, is equality. So here he's saying, you know, why are we afraid of something that absolutely every single human being has to face? This is a challenge that isn't unique to anybody. This is pretty much one of the only fundamental known laws of our existence, which is that we are born, right? But then we have to die. Every moment we are getting closer and closer to that inevitability, right? And so he's really trying to say, yeah, look, all of humanity has to go through this, right? Maybe we can suffer with all of humanity, right? But, but we don't necessarily have to act as if there's anything special about this specific case with us. This is something that everybody has to deal with. And this is really why I, I'm such a fan of people like Steven Jenkinson, uh, you know, fan is a wrong word. I, I'm an admirer of people like Steven Jenkinson, who's he's really on somewhat of a, a crusade, trying to get people to, you know, wise up before the inevitable death comes to them, right? Before they come face to face with this, because wisdom is the thing that's going to help you to get through this inevitable period of your life, right? This end point. Uh, and this is why we need, you know, and this is something that Steven talks about, a lot in his work, which I really admire. He talks about, you know, this is why we need community. This is why we need ritual. You know, part of the funeral ritual is getting everybody together and saying, hey, this is life. You know, let's let's celebrate this person's life, but let's also mourn together, right? Because this is something that we all deal with. We need to find better ways of coming together in our various communities and getting wiser when it comes to, you know, this, this mortality that we all have to wrestle with at some point, right? Uh, And so, this is what I really think that Seneca gives us in these lines, is, is this grappling with these questions around death. You know, whether you're closer or, you know, or farther from death, it doesn't matter. It's never too soon to start asking these kinds of questions, right? And I think that another thing that I just really take away from these lines is just seeing how Seneca is seeking that elderhood. You know, he's seeking these people who are further along in the journey of life than he is, who are seeing something that he doesn't see, and they're face to face with the inevitable trials that he knows he will have to go through, right? And he's trying to gain some wisdom from them, asking them questions, listening to them. There's something really beautiful about this relationship that Seneca is describing here between himself and this person, Basus. There's there's a teacher-student relationship here with Basus being the teacher and Seneca the student, learning how he can face death honorably and with some more wisdom. That's a beautiful thing. That's something to aspire to, is seeking out wisdom from those who are further along in the journey of life, seeing what they can teach us. So anyway, I'm going to leave it there. I think that there's a lot to focus on in this episode. I know we covered a lot of of passages here, but that's okay. I hope it's been useful to you, and I hope that it gets you to ask some different questions in your life, especially pertaining to death, the inevitable reality of our lives. I'll talk to you next time.